Fierce Faith, Lessons from the Women of Advent. It's the third week in Advent. We're going to take a look at our second character uh, this week, Rahab. I'd like for you, uh, if you have your Bibles, to turn to uh, Joshua chapter 2. I'll read the whole chapter. Uh, It should be a familiar story. I'm going to risk reading most of the story here so that we get a fairly significant feel for it. This could be one of those, I don't know if you've seen this at this Christmas season, Elf on a Shelf. Any, what's that Elf on a Shelf thing? Have you seen that? Any parents working on the Elf on a Shelf? Okay. Uh, anyway, this could be, could be an Elf on a Shelf kind of a story, uh, yet with also a twist. Let's take a look at the text Uh, The time is going quickly. Now, if you recall, Moses has just led the people out of Egyptian captivity. Moses has died. Moses has transferred leadership from Moses to Joshua. They're ready to go into the land that God swore on an oath to give to Abraham. And it went Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph. And Moses has moved them out and they're on... They are really chomping at the bit to get across into the land that's flowing with milk and honey. And that's where our story picks up because everyone's just a little bit nervous about this. And our story begins uh, with this courageous faith of a woman named Rahab uh, who has a slightly unseemly past. Then Joshua, son of Nun, secretly sent two spies from Shittim. Had to pronounce that properly. Thank you very much. Go look over the land, he said, especially Jericho. So they went and they entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab, and they stayed there. Just let that sink in for a minute. The king of Jericho, or it could have been the mayor, they called him king. The king of Jericho was told, look, some of the Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent this message to Rahab. Bring out the men who came to you and entered your house because they have come to spy out the whole land. But the woman who had taken the two men and hidden them, she said... Yes, the men came to me, but I I did not know where they had come from. At dusk, when it was time to close the city gate, they left. I don't know which way they went, but if you go after them quickly, you may catch up with them. But she had taken them up to the roof and hidden them under the stalks of flax that she had laid out on the roof. So the men set out in pursuit of the spies, on the road that leads to the fords of the Jordan. And as soon as the pursuers had gone out, the gate was shut. In my mind, I'm just picturing John Wayne heading out. You know what I'm saying? It's just that kind of thing. Before the spies lay down for the night, she went up to the roof and she said to them, I know that the Lord has given you this land. Interesting. And that a great fear of you has fallen on us so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. It's a great line. Everyone's in fear. 
Your God is greater than our God. I know your God will give you this land. See, we've heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to Zion and Og, the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. And when we heard of it, our hearts melted in fear. Here's another great line. Everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God, listen to this statement of faith, the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on earth below. Not the Canaanite gods, not her gods. The Lord your God is God. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family because I have shown kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father and my mother and my brothers and sisters and all who belong to them and that you will save us from death. Our lives for your lives. She strikes a deal. The men assured her, if you don't tell what we are doing, we will treat you kindly and faithfully when the Lord gives us the land. So she let them down by a rope through the window for the house she lived in was part of the city wall. She said to them, go to the hills so the pursuers will not find you. Hide yourselves there three days until they return and then go on your way. Now the men had said to her, this oath you made us swear will not be binding on us unless when we enter the land you have tied this scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down. And unless you have brought your father and mother, your brothers and all of your family into your house. If any of them go outside your house into the street, their blood will be on their own heads. We will not be responsible. As for those who are in the house with you, their blood will be on our head if a hand is laid on them. But if I tell you what we're doing, we will be released from the oath you made us swear. Agreed, she replied. Let it be as you say. So she sent them away and they departed. She tied the scarlet cord in the window. When they left, they went into the hills and stayed there for three days until the pursuers had searched all along the road and returned without finding them. And then the two men started back. They went down out of the hills, forded the river, and came to Joshua, General Joshua, son of Nun, and told him everything that had happened to them. They said to Joshua, The Lord has surely given the whole land into our hands. All the people are melting in fear because of us. But Joshua spared Rahab, jumping ahead in the story. Joshua spared Rahab the prostitute with her family and all who belonged to her because she hid the men Joshua had sent as spies to Jericho. And she lives among the Israelites to this day. This is a reading of God's Word. Thanks be to God. Great story, right? The fall of Jericho, this is it.
courageous faith of a woman named Rahab with an unseemly and unsightful past, to say the least. And quickly this morning, the anatomy of a courageous faith from this biblical woman of Advent who demonstrates a fear fear faith consists, I think, of three parts. And these three parts make up a whole. If we take one of these parts out, it's not authentic faith. Draw our attention to three things that I think happened in the story of Rahab. First, she surrendered her life to the hands of God. Simply put, she surrendered her hand, surrendered her life to the hand of God. Now let me be really perfectly clear. Rahab was not an Israelite. Rahab was a foreigner and a prostitute. And yet, she surrendered her life to the God of heaven and earth, the God that truly is. I find this story challenging. Do you? I mean, look at all the, listen to all the things we say about people in our own inner psychic dialogues. If a prostitute came into this church right now and walked down the center aisle, what would you think? If somebody came in not wearing money clothes and, and babbling un, undistinguishably, what would you think? If someone came in walking down the center aisle that smelled and hadn't had a shower for a while, what would you think? If someone walked into the congregation and admitted to all of us in public, I do not have my papers, what would you think? If someone came into the sanctuary and talked about the ways in which their life fell short of all things expected of them by God, what would you say to yourself? Anybody? Would there be room for that person here? After all, we do say out loud to ourselves and the neighborhood, this is a place where we love all people to life. No restrictions on loving all people to life in Christ. But yet, you know darn well, and I do too, in our minds, we have these inner psychic dialogues and we create barriers quite a bit. That's what church people do, unfortunately. This story, is this story challenging? I mean, come on. Rahab surrendered her life to the God who is the God of heaven above and earth below. The God who is the God of heaven above and earth below. She did the same 
thing that you and I have done somewhere along the line in our life. Now, we may be cleaning up a little bit nicer, but she still did it. Are there room, is there room for the Rahabs in our church? I hope so, man. This grace is open to all. I've, in, in our culture over the last 70 years, there's been a real interesting change in the way we talk about uh, our life in Christ. Um, about before 70 years ago came along, we used to use a great word. The great word was surrender. I surrender my life. I'm going to surrender my life to Christ. Have you ever heard that phrase before? Surrender your life to Christ? You know, the new word now over the last 70 years is we've replaced the word surrender with the word commitment. I'm going to make a commitment of my life to Christ. Do you notice the subtle yet significantly powerful difference between the two? Because when I make a commitment to someone, I, I'm still kind of, in, kind of in control. Hey, Alfredo, I'm, I'm making a commitment to you. Pay me $500. Uh, great, you should have stepped up here earlier. <laughs> a commitment, I'm still in charge. But a surrender is radically different. Now, the biblical language uses the word fear, but another word in Scripture could be awe. When we're in awe of the God who is the God of heaven and earth below, we're not interested in being in charge and committing my life to that God. We want to surrender because a surrender is I'm on my knees. I need, I'm on my knees. I'm, I give it all. There's no more I make a commitment. There's only surrender. Significant. Subtle. Profound. Rahab didn't make a commitment to God. Rahab. Man, Rahab surrendered. How many of us in here have made a commitment to God in our life? How many of us in here have surrendered their entire life to God? Everything. Everything. Surrender is different than commitment. Because, you know, I got a long line of commitments, right? I mean, I got a to do list of commitments that goes on and on and on and on for pages. And I know in my best intentions, I'll probably get around to most of those commitments. But a surrender? That's radically different. So the courageous faith of Rahab begins with this amazing surrender by a foreigner who's a prostitute and her whole life changes. Now first we surrender, and there's another subtle shift in the story, yet powerful. She surrenders, and she transfers the allegiance of her heart. Because you see, in surrendering, you let everything that you thought was the... Hi guys, how you doing over there? Everything you thought was right, you surrender it and you, you let it go. And you put everything under the authority 
of the God who is the God of heaven above and earth below. I mentioned on the first Sunday of Advent that a transference of the allegiance of one's heart is the essence of faith. I I mentioned we weren't going to ask you to believe anything this Advent season, but we would ask you to consider allowing faith to go deeper. See, when we surrender, it creates space for our heart to change allegiance And I mentioned that the Latin root for the word heart is core. That's where we get our English word coronary. So some of us who are really into believing all the right things might have a coronary in what I'm about to say. Belief is great, but it's not the essence of faith. Surrender is the essence of faith. Turning the allegiance of one's heart in the direction of the God who is the God of heaven above and earth below, that trusting faith move supersedes anything that I commit to believe to. So in Rahab's life, there was this transfer of her heart's allegiance. And her life was totally changed. Her allegiances totally and completely changed from top to bottom of her lists of commitments. Her commitment to her family changed. Her commitment to her business changed. Her commitment to the loyalty of her local political officials changed. Her commitment to who she called God changed. Everything that she would have considered a commitment that she had made to in her life when she surrendered and transferred the allegiance of her heart in a trusting move to the God who is God of heaven above and earth below, every single one of those primary commitments changed. That's true life, biblical faith. And it's radically different than just belief. She changed allegiance from her local God to the God of Israel. She changed her allegiance from the local king, the local town mayor, or even the local politics to the politics of God. She changed her allegiance uh, from local governing rules to the sovereignty of God's plan. She changed from walls that were melting with fear to no walls of an open heart that desires to love God and love neighbor. And when you enter into this kind of move, I'm going to use a couple big words here and then we're going to wrap it up. Her whole life was deconstructed and reconstructed Overnight. What started out as a reconnaissance mission by two spies became a total deconstruction mission in her own life and a reconstruction mission in her own life. That's why this woman is a courageous woman, a courageous woman of faith. And this is why she's listed in Matthew's genealogies 
Matthew's genealogy in the line of David all the way to Jesus. Rahab's husband, his name is Salmon. The two of them gave birth to a gentleman named Boaz. Come back next week because Boaz is part of the story of Ruth, of the line of David, in the lineage, in the birth of Jesus Christ. God uses anybody, anybody, anywhere. You're strung out on crack on a street corner, God can use you. Are you lonely? Do you think your life is over right now? It's not. God can use even people that are old, think their life is over, has no meaning or purpose or significance. Just ask Elizabeth and Zechariah. The story is filled with people on the margins being used by God in ways that church people would judge and not even let them in the building. Yes, she was afraid. But that fear <laughs> ended up being a surrender. It ended up being a change in the allegiance of her heart. It ended up being a deconstruction and a reconstruction story that led to the birth of Jesus the Christ. And Mary's story is no different than Rahab's story. They're really the same story, just repackaged. Mary was a tweenager. Literally a tween. She wasn't really a teenager yet. She wasn't a little kid anymore. Mary was what we would nowadays call a tweenager. And you can go to Jingle Bell Bash and see a whole bunch of other teenagers dancing around with their parents uh, at rock concerts every holiday season right about now. I've done a half a dozen myself. They're actually quite enjoyable. But Mary, as a teenager, said yes to God against all odds. Against the odds of family, faith, politics, and yeah, even the family business. Just like Rahab. But when the walls of Mary's womb came down, God became incarnate, taking on the form of a human being. It resonates a little bit with the walls of Jericho coming down. And Mary giving birth to Jesus the Christ through the walls of her womb is done through another scarlet cloth hanging out of a window. Forgive me here, but go with it. Mary's cord made of scarlet is what medical professionals now call the cord of life. From the womb, the umbilical. Mary said yes as a teenager. Rahab said a courageous yes against all odds. It's a courageous faith. And it's deeper than belief. It's total and complete relinquishing of the I, me, and my to the glory of God who is about Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. May we all surrender to that type, to that same biblical courageous faith.
Amen? Yeah. Amen. Let's pray together. Forgive us of all the things that we say in our head and say to other people about those people. We do it all the time. It's a confession. I guess it's, it's just part of being human. Yet, forgive us. Forgive us, Father, the ways we do that. Cleanse us from our own superiority. Cleanse us from our hubris. Cleanse us from our pride. Cleanse us from our entitlements because we have lots of money and great education. That we would see you at work in the other. And more than just see you at work, we would be inspired by the transformational love of God in Jesus Christ. that's able to set prostitutes and pimps, drug lords, gossips, addicts, atheists and agnostics, bigots and racists, misogynists, are all set free with a simple surrender, a change of heart, and a radical deconstruction and reconstruction to your very heartbeat and purposes for the world. May it be so as we remove the sentimentality that Christmas so often brings to dig deep into the messy stories of Scripture where most of our lives are actually lived. Because in those very, very low places, we always find grace. And that grace is something amazing. That grace is something to think to sing about. Excuse me. In your name we pray. Amen.